Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, and we are here every time to warn the nation from a biblical perspective as well as help you respond in faith. And the days that we're living in require faith, and I believe greater faith ahead as we look to 2022. And specifically, uh, thank you, Gary Crawford, for joining us again to talk about this. How do we walk out our faith in 2022? Glad to be with you. So we're going to jump in here, but we both have felt like we need to frame this podcast in the context of Jesus' second coming, in light of everything that's going on. So, Gary, share with us, uh, how did you first get, not so much interested in the end times in general, but like dialed in, like we are probably living in that season right now. Like, how did that happen or come about? Um mainly from the in the beginning reading the scriptures just beginning to sense and i think by the spirit's direction that we were seeing facets of things recorded thousands of years ago that would be evident in the last days i could share a couple of them with you um that are clearly here and um i think for certain sometimes christians i think shy away from this kind of discussion because they've always been said we can't pick the day or the hour and this has nothing to do with picking the day or the hour. There are so many scriptures in Thessalonians and the end of Revelation says these things are written that you might know the things that must next take place. We don't know every jot and tittle of the timing, but it's clear that we can know from the season and there is a responsibility, just as Jesus put on um, the Jews in Jerusalem when he's here, he says, he said, you discern the weather. How is it you don't discern these times? Mm-hmm. And he said, because you did not discern these times, these things are going to come upon you. And they were not good things, by the way, mm-hmm. from Rome uh, that happened in 70 AD, etc. And what's interesting is even Herod called for the scribes and says, where's the Messiah coming from? And they said that he's going to come out of Bethlehem. I mean, at least he was smart enough to consult the scriptures and those who guarded the scriptures about where the Messiah would come from. And he acted on what they told him. I mean, that's when he went in and two years later killed the male child because he believed that the Messiah really was going to come out of there. And he acted. What's interesting is that was a wickedness in him. It's interesting that Christians don't have the same sense of, I better begin to alter or move my life into alignment with what the scriptures say are going to happen. And uh, so uh, we can talk about that and some of the things that are going on right now that are evident from the scriptures. So... You know, just to highlight a couple specific scriptures related to what you just said, which is Jesus had an expectation that his disciples would know the day of the hour, and actually broader than his disciples, people in general. And one of those places um, is from Luke chapter 12. At the end of that chapter, it says that he was saying, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say, it will be a hot day. And it turns out that way. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? Which, of course, is the uh, Messiah uh, coming onto the center center stage, the world center stage. And then another passage that comes to mind, as you were just saying that, is at the end of Luke chapter 19. He's weeping over Jerusalem because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. And so now we need to shift here and think about this, clearly think about this, and and spend the time on this topic of Jesus' second coming for our our day and hour. And I I do want to hear a couple of your examples, Gary, but let me just throw in one or two of my own here before I pitch the ball back. Um, But just... I was interested in Jesus' second coming as a younger believer, and I'd read a few different different books which were really interesting, but I kind of lost interest. I felt like people always get this wrong, and, you know, obviously it hasn't been right so far, so why why focus on this? And let's just focus on other things. But over time, it's like you're saying, first through the scriptures, it's like, wait a second here. There is something going on that we should be lifting up our eyes, in my opinion, because our redemption draweth nigh. And one thing that's really caught my attention is uh, is global events, and then similar but not the same is globalism. And global events, I mean, 
are you kidding me? The uh, economic international alliances, the economic banking system that is, that's international, but also things like when COVID shows up, we have a global response. And it's like whenever global things happen, you have to take a second look at least um, into into Jesus' second coming because we don't want to, you know, nobody in any particular country wants to interpret the times through just their own national events or circumstances. But when we can look at it through the, the lens of the, the world, that would be fulfill, fulfillment of Scripture uh, right before Jesus' second coming or signs of Jesus' second second coming. So that was huge. I would say also um, just uh, a little bit on globalism, um, which is different than global events. It's more of a, a track to bring in this one-world government. And it was interesting to be looking at uh, the explosion of communism, um, you know, well after Karl Marx passed away with all of his ideology that he put down a paper that would cause those revolutions and all those millions of deaths. But it's interesting to me that Lenin, after the Bolshevik Re- Revolution, he specifically put together a team of people to bring communism worldwide. Now, that didn't work out for him and his, his uh, successor, Stalin. It didn't work out for him either, but there's still large parts of the world from their influence that are under that kind of darkness with still a view to putting the rest of the world under subjection. And yes, we have uh, 1.3 billion under uh, harsh communism right now in the country of China, and we can point other modern examples as well. But the point is, is that there is, whether they're successful or not with communism slash Marxism, that has yet to be seen, but they certainly um, have made a lot of progress in the, in the 20th century, continuing on to the 21st century. But I would say that whether that version is successful or not, it doesn't matter. We're seeing totalitarianism in general move forward, and we're seeing an openness to this kind of thing. Um, government, please help me. Government has the answers. Government follows the science and the data, and the government will, will save me. This kind of idea uh, um, helps usher in totalitarianism, which is what we see um, uh, right before Jesus' second coming. So anyway, that's, that's more recently what's really caught my attention in light of the, uh, the eschatological clock that is ticking. Um, Gary, do you have an a, a example or two? Yeah, and I want to say something to comment to what you just said, which is right. Your observations are correct. The good news is here, and this is important, before Christ comes, the Antichrist is coming. So darkness and totalitarianism are on their way in, and they will be around the globe. I mean, to your point, that's what the overall globalism movement is about, is allowing the one world government to pretty much dictate through the internet and to manipulate and disseminate information and deception over a system that everybody's become partakers of. Um, I call it a global salt lick for those of you who hunt. Um, So um, very important piece of what you're saying. And another piece of the good news is even though Stalin and those people tried to do and implement that, they don't control the narrative of the last days God does. And so even though they may seek to change times, places, and accelerate this, these events, they will not be able to. But Christians need to get in their heart that before Christ comes, the Antichrist is coming. And there will be a time when we will be alive at the same time as the Antichrist is in the earth. Many people think they're going to get raptured. That's not true. Thessalonians are very clear about that. And, they, and Paul says, as to our being gathered together with the Lord, let no one deceive you. That will not happen until after the great falling away and the man of perdition is revealed. So whenever the rapture is to occur, you can argue days and nights about that. It's not happening until after the man of perdition is revealed. So we will be alive when the Holy Spirit backs up and and unveils who this person is. So that's a piece. Um, We know that knowledge will increase in the last days. Daniel chapter 12. Knowledge now is increasing. It was just in the internet the other day every 12 hours or 13 hours. It used to be at the beginning of 1900s, it was every 100 years knowledge doubled. Now we're at every 12 hours. We know that another piece is, is that when leaves are on the aisle, Israel's back on the scene. The nation of Israel is now back. There are great things that point 
uh, in addition to this, uh, that uh, we see now visibly that you can't deny Israel's a nation. Um, and it's grown in power and stature. Uh, it will continue to do that. Uh, Jews are gravitating back there from around the planet. That was all foretold. They will come. He said, I will whistle for them and they will come from the four corners of the earth. That's in play. Um, in the Psalms, it says, I will not strive with man forever. And uh, I personally believe that the 666, which everybody, oh, that's the mark of the beast. It says it's also the number of man, those who have wisdom calculated. Every day is like a thousand years. Peter said, don't forget this. Every day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Dewey Decimal System is the, think of the number in reverse. The sixth day of creation is the creation of man. The second is hundreds in the Dewey Decimal System. That's what happened in the 600 year of Noah the first judgment of mankind. The last six will be thousands, 6,000 years after creation. And many people say, well, we're on the long earth theory. I don't believe that, but that's, you know, that's another argument. But the 6,000, so we're in the hour of the potential of the second judgment of man coming, which comes during the, at the end of the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. And here's another piece in Hosea. He, in Hosea chapter six, he says, in two days, I will raise you up. Two days, 2,000 years. Every day is like 1,000 years and 1,000 years is like a day. In two days, it's been 2,000 years since Israel was taken away. 2,000 years, but what does it say they're raised up for? That you may reign with him. So that means that the, that the Messiah is back. The Jews have been regathered. They've been raised up as a nation and we are right in that time frame. And we're not picking the day or the hour. But we are giving you a window that the people need to wake up as to the hour we're in and stop living life as if it's going to just go on as it always has been, because it is not. Hmm. It is not. Well, since you and I are both in agreement, although we might not sign off on everything exactly the same, but we are in general agreement that we are living in the season of Jesus' second coming, and as you just highlighted here, that we have to understand the Antichrist is on the way. We're seeing more and more Antichrist influence, not only here in America, but worldwide with every passing year. So we have to embrace that as well as lift up your eyes. Jesus, our great King, is coming. And so with that as, as uh, a framework for today, let's talk about um, responding in faith. Um, how do we move into 2022 in a way that, is going to be, hopefully, from our discussion here today, helpful, practical. Um, what do you do? And so let me get us started here with another end times passage, this one from Paul. It's Second Timothy chapter 3, and it begins in verse 1. But realize that in the last days, difficult times will come. And I believe that what I need to put out there for whoever listens to this podcast is in 2022, expect difficult days. Expect greater difficulty in 2022 than what we experienced in 2021. And as we go in a general theme, because obviously we don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is returning, that I would look in general for difficult days for several years ahead until actually um, Jesus does return. And for us to to have a, a, a mindset, a uh, I don't know, an expectation that this is all going to get easier, um, and let's not think about these things. I think it's to our own detriment. So again, very practical as we get started here. We, let's expect greater uh, difficulty ahead. Now, now, Paul did get into some specifics here in terms of this difficulty, and I think, again, this is important or helpful for us in terms of where uh, the train is now, but where, in my belief anyway, and where it's, it's headed even into a greater degree. It goes on to say in verse 2, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, hater, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of ple pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godless, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. And then skipping to verse 7, it says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so 
as we believe that there is evil gradually ramping up, and I would say that this sort of odd Marxist globalism vibe is part of, not the key thing necessarily, but part of this evil ramping up. Um, we have here character qualities of the individuals throughout culture, and and that we have a long-term increase of evil that we need to discern, that we need to be aware of, that we need to stand against because we are to be the righteousness of Christ in this day and hour. So how do you live in these times? How do you practically apply your faith? First of all, you can't apply your faith to unbelief. So if you don't believe we're in those times, it's very difficult for God to give you something to apply your faith to, no matter what kind of faith. It's not a matter how much you have. God dispenses faith. Okay. Some people have little faith, but a faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. So, but you have to believe we're in these times. If you don't, then unbelief keeps you from being able to get revelation from God about how to deal with your life and walk this out. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons Daniel went up three times a day to the window in Jerusalem and prayed. He knew by the scriptures, it says, that they had 70 years decree. So he spent time with God every day seeking wisdom and discernment for the matters that he had to face under a wicked king. Jesus, it says, went up early in the morning often to spend time with his father under a Roman empire to deal with and have the wisdom to begin to expose people to the kingdom of God, which it was time for that to come. And that's first and foremost a pattern that's got to be in the bride or us, the ecclesia's life to do this during this time, because we have not been this way before. This Nobody's experienced this. So. Yeah, yeah. I think we go um, a bit further here with um, the great hope in light of the great difficulty. Uh, it's like, I don't think, especially here in America where we've had it so easy, I don't think we understand what's going to be required of, of us in this the, the coming day and hour, although I, to a certain degree I believe we're there now. But um, I don't think we understand what's going to be required of us. It's, it is the stuff that's going to make uh, the hearts of men faint. And we want to be ready as believers. Again, um, I can't say all these things are going to happen in 2022, but we want to be uh, building our faith, ramping up, as we talked about in the last podcast that you and I did, Gary, with the, the filling of the lamps with oil, like the, the, the five virgins that were ready. Um, we want to be having these things as part of our um, passion, our pursuit, our values, as we look at, at, at 2022 and the, and the days that are uh, un- unfolding. Now, in terms of just kind of talking a bit more about this, this great difficulty, um, but we do, as we just said, we want to maintain the great hope. Uh, we have a Savior, and he'll save us through this, um, and on into eternity, of course. Um, but let me just let me give one thing out of the news, and then I want to give one thing out of the Bible. But this is going to get really difficult. Again, as we look to 2022, be prepared for difficulties. So this is um, just from the beginning of December 2021, and it explains that New York uh, City Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, uh, announced a COVID vaccine mandate for employees, now get this, of private and religious schools. Oh my gosh, wait, this shifted. This shifted from government mandates or government employees being mandated or public schools or whatever. We're walking into a completely different realm here, and this is part of the growing totalitarianism, meaning that government controls everything. And we are going to need to decide as Christians, I believe now, but especially as we move into 2022, we need to decide right now, where do we draw the line practically? Where will we not go any further? Where do we say, no, with Christ I, I stand, with Christ I die? Where, what, what are those issues? Um, but let me just read this, because this is so stunning, because de Blasio is such a, a public figure and well-known and respected nationally, internationally. Anyway, he says, vaccinations are the, are the key to our recovery. And our public schools are among the safest places to be in the city. He goes on to say, child care centers will now be just as safe. And it's time to use the tools we have at our disposal to climb the ladder even further. We're doing everything in our power to protect our students and school staff. And a mandate 
for non-public school employees will help keep our school communities and the youngest New York New Yorkers safe. And so again, it's all about your good. It's not about rights or different things like that, civil rights. It's about what's going to be for your good. Now, it goes on to explain that this is going to affect 56,000 employees of private schools in, in over 900 schools. So it's a significant uh, 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 expression of totalitarianism within, the, within New York City. And then it goes on to explain, just as a side note, despite the vaccine mandates and passports, New, York, New York's COVID cases topped 11,000 for the t- first time in a year. Meanwhile, Florida, a state with zero vaccine mandates, has the lowest daily COVID cases per capita. And so I only throw that in there at the end to say you have to uh, remove yourself from following the science and the data to get under this this, uh, uh, deceptive mindset where you must go deeper into totalitarianism because it is for your good. So here we are. this is right now. Um, I just printed that article off yesterday. It's right now. It's growing. And if we have this kind of thing happening, can you imagine what, as this totalitarianism goes forth? Uh, uh, again, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, we have uh, what Daniel called the terrifying beast in Daniel chapter 7 because it is terrifying because this global government that the Antichrist wants to take over— I mean, will to will at some point, but this thing is emerging now, and this thing will absolutely control everything, and therefore, it is terrifying. Yeah, I agree, and I I think this is this is kind of a. My wife had gotten a word that back in twenty twenty that this is a rehearsal, and while I do not believe God caused the pandemic, I believe He permitted it, and He stood back. And Satan's watching this too. Who is responding in fear? What you just, the edict out in New York you just described is based on fear. In other words, it drives people to make decisions. God's not just not the author of fear. Perfect love drives out fear. And he's not the author of confusion. And there's been nothing about the vaccine controversy. And I'm it's pro I'm not pro or against. I know it, it's but it's based on confusion and fear. And that alone tells me that the man of intrigue and the spirit of the Antichrist is in the midst of it. So one, that immediately is an alert button for us as Christians to say, Lord, how do you want us to respond to this? I can give you an example from this week about the mandate in Florida. As you know, at the beginning of November, uh, Governor DeSantis, and there's going to be sheep and goat states, by the way, and as believers are going to have to decide how long they can stay in a particular state, because where this is going to drive believers is, do you believe and want your job and your money, or are you believing that you're supposed to take a stand for me? And the many states are offering what they call exemptions, uh, religious and uh, what was the other one? Medical reasons. And there may be medical reasons. A lot of Christians default to the religious thing. There's nothing in scripture that says that that you should or shouldn't take about the vaccine. And I remind them, and this happened this last week, just before the the Fifth Circuit uh, signed the blockage of the mandate from national mandate Last, I think it was on November 30th, just this week. Um, but I said, Paul did not respond by saying I'm a Christian or I'm a Jew. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. We have laws in this country that still exist under the Constitution and most state constitutions that would allow us to fight this just like Paul did as a U.S. citizen. Well, one thing I've seen, and I did look at one of the medical exemptions that was being circulated by an employer that was immediately reversed, by the way, on as soon as that edict was done, a day later, the uh, head of this particular organization said, you can report to work even if you're unvaccinated. So that alone stopped the mandate edict, and they had to make a decision by December the 6th what they were going to do, or they could be uh, potentially forced to leave the organization. But it was a legal decision, not about, because the the medical, or the, excuse me, the um, religious exemptions they're gathering information about what you believe. I mean, the questions are off the charts about your personal beliefs and the religion that you practice, and that can be used against you because, as you said earlier, it's being sucked into the one world government cloud and said, by the way, David, I see that you fill out a form that you believe this about this, 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 and this. That information is, you know, sometimes the enemy can trick us into giving information that's unwarranted. And 
Paul didn't fall for that. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. You have no right to treat me like this. And so I'm going to appeal to Rome and we can appeal to the Constitution. Now, at some point, I believe um, we'll have problems there, but they're going to be sheep and ghost states. And, you know, our, here's the list. I, by the way, printed out. I got this this morning is a codification of the mandate uh, that the governor of the state of Florida wrote. Say, Gary, just, before you, just before you go on, I just want to clarify for some of our listeners anyway, that a sheep state would be considered uh, a state that's more in alignment with God's will and purposes. No state's perfect or even close, but the point is more in alignment, and, there, and the laws would reflect that, therefore, more under the blessing of God. And then a goat state would be just the opposite, more in, um, in alignment with the, uh, with the Antichrist vibe that's in the world today, a- Antichrist-type laws and approaches and... Um, you know, a perver- sexual perversions and uh, being uh, mandated or not mandated, but approved, these kinds of things. So we have goat states that are, are not under that same favor of God. Um, but anyway, Gary, go, go ahead. Very good. And I apologize that that's confusing. And you're exactly right. Remember in the Bible, it says righteousness exalts a nation. It also exalts a state. If you choose to make unrighteous laws, you will reap what you sow. And so you get involved in what we call national or state sin. It may not be an individual sin for you, but if you're living in a state that uh, that adheres to those things, you're going to suffer the consequences of being in that place. But anyway, in, in the state of Florida, he said there's five exemptions, medical reasons, religious reasons, immunity based on prior COVID infection. They recognize that if you, you may have better antibody systems than the vaccine gives. Agreeing to be tested regularly and agreeing to use personal protective. So that's not pro or against the vaccine. It's an option for you to take, but you can't mandate me to take the vaccine because I'm willing to be tested regularly and I'll wear a mask. I'm okay with that. Um, so you're saying when use laws that are already part of of the American legal system, like use these laws um, and don't just always run. That's not wisdom just to run to take a religious exemption, which can divulge information that is uh, really supposed to be private. Well, the questions are pretty intrusive in the fact that you'd be hard pressed to say, so, uh, because what they do is they say, what's the last vaccine you took? Well, did you have a religious problem with the flu vaccine? How about the smallpox vaccine? Do you have a religious problem with that one? In other words, they drive questions back into your vaccine history based on your religious beliefs. And so they're, they're, they're picking and going after this in a way that they would use your answers against you, in my opinion, like a, almost like a, a, a form subpoena where you'd be, uh, or de- deposition, excuse me, where you'd be deposed about your beliefs about this. And I don't think you need to go there. Um, there may be some other things coming down the pike that we eventually will say, I will not do this because it's a direct violation of my religious beliefs. But um, this is a very, uh, it's a very good example of the deception that is existing in the world and how we need to be wise in the way we respond to it. Not, not with reckless, I'm going to draw my sword, I have a right because I'm a Christian and all this stuff. It says in Daniel 7 that Daniel responded with wisdom and tact when he was being asked to do things, and and we need to be doing it the same way. Hmm. Right. Well, I just want to circle back a little bit or emphasize what you were just talking about, about what kind of information are we just allowing out there um, about ourselves. Um, and I, by the way, you're talking about people that might use a religious exemption not to take the vaccine, um, obviously problematic by what you just said. But people that have taken the vaccine, now it's becoming more and more clear that you're not considered vaccinated in many countries until you have the third booster, and then there's going to be a fourth booster. I don't think this other path is any easier. And if we're looking for ease, we're clearly not getting into the, the flow here of the scriptures in terms of things get more difficult uh, before Jesus comes. There's not one scripture on the end times that says things will get easier for Christians. So um, kind of leaving that for a moment, but coming back to... Uh, the information we're divulging about ourselves, it's so important as the people of God that we want to stand with Christ, we want to stand with his people, um, that we understand what goes on as totalitarianism increases. And so, um, like to exam- a couple examples for uh, 
One would be Richard Wormbrand, who suffered under behind the Iron Curtain. So um, at the close of World War II, when the Soviet Union took over those Eastern Bloc states, and Romania was one of them. And then uh, Richard was uh, put in prison, and, and he wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. But here's what he said. The number one thing in every torture session that they wanted out of him was the names of other Christians, the underground church. They wanted that. And and even though Richard Wormbrand was tortured for 14 years in prison, he never gave up one name. Why? It's because he understood the things we're talking about today, not necessarily right in the context of Jesus' second coming, but he understood the evil behind totalitarianism. A, it's taught in the scriptures, but, but B, he understood that he could not give the names of his brothers and sisters in Christ, so then they would be put in prison and tortured. He had made this decision in his heart. He had prepared over time, even under the the Nazi years, he had made these decisions that he will follow Christ unto his death. Now, Now, why is that important in light of what we're talking today, which is in the context of Jesus' second coming? Because it tells us in Revelation 12, uh, verse 11, it tells us that they that these end-time saints, that they overcame the enemy and all this evil, overcame it by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. And they did not love their lives even unto death. And I believe that as we move into this coming year and we're moving further and further down this end time scenario, we have all got to be asking ourselves right now this question, like, are we willing to suffer for Christ, like Richard Wormbrand did? Are we willing to die for Christ, like many of Richard Wormbrand's friends, believers, that they did? Are we willing to these things? I don't believe we clear the fog on this thing, and even um, getting our lamps ready, I don't believe we, we clear the fog in our own hearts, in our own minds, until we're willing to say yes to that question about the ultimate price. Yes, I agree with you. I think that is something that we all need to go before the Father about. Um, uh, Jesus left uh, heaven. It says he humbled himself, not believing equality with God was something to be grasped. To In the likeness of man, he came on his assignment, knowing that he would die in his assignment. I think the disciples came to that conclusion. So talking about it... Um, the thing that you want to be a little careful of is you it's easy to play mental gymnastics with your mind like what would i do in this situation what would, i'm also believing very strongly that when we get if we're submitted to death and the joy that's set before us as jesus was in the moment of where we are being taken god will give us grace and mercy to move through that moment so in the midst of you could conjure up in your mind all kinds of ways that you oh i don't i want i would die this way lord but i don't want to die that way you know that kind of foolishness know that the grace and the mercy of god goes with you it was in it was in the garden with jesus ministering to him in the gethsemane uh, it says the angels ministered to him i mean know that as you go on assignment you go with god's blessing and assistance in that assignment and that's a big deal to also reassure your mind and heart so that you don't let the enemy play uh double-mindedness, mental, I call it gymnastics, uh, about those issues. So, But yes, you're right. We should soberly consider what we have to do to count the cost. I mean, at least those things go through my mind as I spend time with my father. Absolutely. I don't see how you live in the world today and not have these thoughts um, go through our minds and actually settle them in my hearts is what my encouragement is here, here today. And going back to Jesus and his examples, he said that a student is not above his teacher. And if they hated him, they're going to hate us. What, we're going to move into the time of the man of perdition, the, 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 the Antichrist, uh, uh, having this kind of influence throughout the entire earth? We're going to move into that, and yet somehow we're going to get through this, that the world will like us? I mean, again, it's just so obvious in Scripture that Jesus was teaching, look, if they hated me, if they crucified me, they will come after you. You as a student, you are not above me as the teacher. And we need to have this settled in our hearts. You know, 
there's so many scriptures on this, it's kind of mind-bending, actually, how we can go uh, to, to church week after week after week and never even address uh, this, this very topic of suffering in Christ and, um, and even martyrdom. But, um, but there's so many scriptures. Just to highlight another one, um, this is, again, going back to 2 Timothy 3, which is interesting to me. It's an end times passage, and it's this very topic that comes up with Paul as he gives advice to Timothy. But moving in 2 Timothy 3 down to, uh, down to verse 10, it says, Now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. So to your point, Gary, God, uh, it was very difficult for Paul, but God rescued him. There was the grace in the moment. But it goes on in verse 12 to say, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And in other words, as we're standing for righteousness, by default, you're going to be standing against wickedness. Welcome to the Christian life. There's no way around that one. You are going to walk in Christ with his righteousness. Therefore, you are going to be hated. It is going to get more difficult. And, um, and I think that we uh, really do ourselves a favor by rather than constantly trying to figure out a different mind game to play to bend us out of any difficulties, but to actually say, you know what, this is going to be difficult, and therefore, um, therefore, I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to see where God leads me. I'm going to trust Him for the grace in the moment, and that um, and that I understand uh, the the trajectory of what so much is, what is taking place in our our world today, and that therefore means that I, I navigate difficulty rather than always trying to avoid it. Yeah, there's a passage, too, I was looking up while you were talking and reading in Revelation 12, uh, 7, verse 17. It says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman. He's talking about the Jewish nation. And he went out to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments in God and have a testimony of Jesus Christ. Who would that be? Christians. So, you know, not only is he after the, the the Jew, because it's the Jew first, but then he's going after the Christians. So the scripture itself says this is coming against us in these days. This is the Antichrist at work on the earth with some stuff. So, um, yes, everything you said is correct. That, and uh, it, it, it is a weighty thing, but it was a weighty thing for Jesus when he got to Gethsemane. He, he prayed and spent tears of blood. I mean... He was at the moment that he had come to the earth for to die and pay the price of sin. Um, and so uh, to be a propitiation for our sins. Do We can't shirk back at this. Um, and every bit of our flesh wants to. So don't, don't be ashamed of that. It's not about us mustering up uh, bravado. It's about us coming in the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the assignment as the bride in this hour, be reconciled unto God through Jesus Christ, because the King is coming and judgment is going to be in his hand. He holds the keys of death and Hades, Satan doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, as we look at these days, I think it's both the power of God, and I want to even say the amazing power of God in our midst, um, in our lives, in our faith communities. It's amazing power of God in the midst of the greatest difficulty that we've uh, we've ever encountered, certainly here in America, but I would say globally as well. And um, and that it's like this both and, but again, I want to keep this in the context of Jesus' second coming because I think that that's so important to us as we're moving into the new year and, and beyond. But actually, I want to take an example of this. It's all throughout Scripture about the power of God in the midst of difficulty. And it's almost like, almost not uniquely, but almost uniquely, it's an American thing where we want the power of God without any difficulty. But that's so uh, contrary to uh, uh, most of Scripture. And so this is just one of many examples. But, um, but from Jesus' life and ministry in Luke 12, it says, um, under these circumstances and the circumstances from the end of chapter 11 is that things are heating up in terms of the Pharisees wanting to persecute Jesus. But it says, again, chapter 12, starting in verse 1, 
Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together, they were stepping on one another, meaning to get to Jesus, to see the next miracle, to hear the most power, next powerful thing he's going to say. Like, it is a move of God, and it's amazing. But notice how Jesus shifts it next. He says um, that people are stepping on one another, and then he began saying to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But there has nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after they have no more that they can do." Jesus, in the midst of this amazing move of God amongst all these people stepping over each other, he is telling them, oh, by the way, you might die for this. You might have to give your life for this, but don't fear the one that can only take your physical body. Fear the living God. Have a fear of the Lord and walk through that. And actually, as this passage goes on, it's even more clear that Jesus is asking us not to deny the faith in the moment of, of great persecution. And he is saying that, um, yep, we're having a great move of God right now, but oh, by the way, you have to be ready for this right now as well. And again, not just in the Gospels, but passage after passage throughout the entire Bible, we see great difficulty with the great uh, power and protection of God at the same time. Yeah, the, it's interesting, the disciples, even when they went out uh, before that, the first time they come back, and it's amazing how we become enamored with what we can do with God's power. And so they came back rejoicing and saying, we did this, we drove out demons, and said, don't rejoice in these things. There's a wisdom here that's going to be needed to be a, a king, to act like a king, and not just get enamored because things are happening. And that's exactly what he just did is he made them and said, look, you can get enamored by the miracles you're seeing and this stuff, which is all good, but they're here to bear witness of what we're saying. They're not here to, like a circus act to perform for you. And we need to be careful because I think in some cases the church has drifted into, let's go to, to uh, they go up to sessions or places where things are happening. God's moving. There's no question about that. But then they come away intrigued and he knew that that's what they wanted. They wanted the fact that he could multiply loaves. He can heal their sick. But ultimately, when he began to preach about, if unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, all of a sudden the crowds begin to dissipate. Hmm. So in Christianity, to a certain extent, has a celebrity mentality. Let's go to the event. But when you get life where you're about to be fired because of a COVID mandate, and you have to put your, your thing and say, I work for this, this particular person I helped this week worked for them for 39 years. Um, and she says, I'm facing, she's single mom. I'm facing losing my salary, losing my household with no place to go or to turn. And I know that the Lord has given me a piece about not doing the vaccine. Those are huge steps for someone to weigh in. Now it's affecting my bank account. Now it's affecting, it's just not coffee discussion. Did you see the miracle of the person who got healed? That's good. So don't ever think I'm saying that those aren't good things. But counting the cost to walk in what you're doing, the disciples had to face after seeing all those miracles and multiplication of food. And um, I think the churches and the ecclesias, the bride is walking into a time that we're going to see what our hearts are around and where we find ourselves and what we're going to be willing to lay hold of and what we're going to have to let go of. And I think, in my opinion, because it's for me, this started almost 15 years ago. Don't let one day go by where you don't start to shift your mindset and start saying, what do we need to do? How do I begin? To, what do I need to let go of? Maybe it's my thinking about my 401k. Maybe it's thinking about this or that. I don't know. I'm not here to tell you what those are. You have to do, figure it out with the Lord. But you, you don't want to have to make those decisions, in my opinion, in the midst where you've got five minutes to get out of the house because people are coming to your door to take you away or something. In other words, you need to be making those decisions now, to your point, settling in your heart where you're going to stand with you and your spouse if you're married, because it's your house, you're one and together. And that's another thing I've run into is one spouse wants to move into this, the other one doesn't. 
Um, and so you, there's a tension even in your own household. I mean, there's things now, look at the COVID thing. It's splitting households where I know grandparents can't see their kids because their kids are saying, you're not going to see it unless you get vaccinated. And they're saying, I'm going to get vaccinated or vice versa. There's all kinds of stuff that's stirring right now that's splitting households, decisions. So let's kind of uh, conclude today um, with just summarizing some of the practical points from this podcast. And if there's anything we haven't said so far, uh, practically speaking, let's put it in now. Be ready for difficulty in in the, the years ahead, even though we're mostly turning the corner into 2022, but 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 be at peace with greater difficulty. Difficulty versus ease, that is not how we make decisions. Most things that the... Uh, that the um, uh, people of God do, um, that they're commended for in Scripture, is when they're making decisions that don't create an easy life. They often don't. They often were more difficult, but then God would fight on their behalf. Um, but Gary, um, but just help me out here in terms of, of, of uh, some practical points here as we head into 2022. Um, if you sense the spirit in you as you spend time with the Lord, can't can't reemphasize that enough. You've got to spend time alone with the Father. And then as you come out with things that you sense in the spirit, find other believers and test what you're hearing. And God will bring confirmation to you with what you're hearing. That is this the reason this is such a key is you already have the Holy Spirit in you as a believer. The enemy can't take that from you. Nobody can take it from you. However, the enemy can trick you to give your peace away. And Jesus, like my friend likes to remind me, friend of mine down here, Jesus always said, peace be unto you. My peace I give you. Don't let anybody trick you into giving away your peace. When you don't have a piece of something, get aside and go get it back. Mm -hmm. And then recognize that that's your key in this hour. Because it's not going to be a silver bullet. It's not going to be a bank account. It's not going to be yada, yada, yada. So the, the piece, and then look at things that are coming down. Keep your steps very short. There's going to be things that are going to shift today or last night. I mean, they're talking about now we're on COVID 2.0, 5.0. I don't even know what we're on. But there's the Omicron uh, variant that just burst yeah, out. And now I mean, fear and craziness is, is coming. Exactly. Forth. And the way they hype it, you, I can tell you that when there's a spirit of intrigue involved and there's always an intrigue in this, that's the Antichrist. He is the man of intrigue, it talks about. So when you see the spirit of intrigue, be very careful that you don't see the enemy trying to trick you and make moves that sound reasonable, logical, rational. Trust the peace of God in you that you have by the Holy Spirit. That's there and nobody can take it from you. They can trick you to giving it away. And so um, that is a big piece. Watch the steps. Gather yourselves with small groups of like-minded believers where you can come together and pray seek God, repent for things he shows you. That's good. But seek God. I can't even sit here. We can't, Dave and I can't sit here and make a laundry list of everything we're going to run into because we haven't been this way before. I couldn't have told you it was going to be a COVID two years ago. And here it is now we and we're dealing with it. But it partly was meant by God to awaken us to the things that are happening and where we're going with stuff. And then follow the spirit. He, he's got this thing. Satan doesn't. That's what makes him angry. He can't control the narrative. Uh, and Jesus, always take Jesus as an example, all through the time from, the, from when he was betrayed in the garden forward, every event was to Pilate, you don't have authority over me unless my father. He was always seeing that his father was controlling the narrative to the cross for him. And that's the place where we as the bride can find comfort and encouragement, um, even as Dave and I are doing, talking about these things, discussing it. Dave's right. We don't have it all perfectly worked out. I'm not concerned about that. But there's no doubt in either one of our minds that we are in the season of the last days. And I mean, the last days, not like Paul described when he said we were in the last days. I'm talking about we're in the last days before Yeshua comes, the Messiah. And... We have work to do in this hour. So be encouraged with that. There's, we're on assignment. We didn't choose the times or the hours that we were born into. Um, we were put here by God. And so we have a purpose. We have an assignment. And I hope these things come across as encouraging, even though we're talking about difficult times. Um, but your assets, everything you own, belongs to God. 
you have to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Am I to keep it? Am I to give it to somebody? Am I to use it with other believers to help leverage things for the kingdom? Am I, help, am I to help Jews in North America get back to Israel? Um, uh, there are all kinds of assignments afoot that I hear and understand and, and am aware of. You're not to be involved in every one of them. But at the same time, you can collectively work with other Christians about what we're each doing. We're running in our lanes, glorifying the King and lifting up the name of Jesus that's above every name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, uh, that would be a good note to end on, but I do want to circle back here briefly um, in terms of uh, before Jesus returns, there is the coming of the man of perdition, the lawless one, the one who is also called the Antichrist. And again, as we move into 2022 and, and beyond, we need to be ready for both. Lift up your eyes, your redemption, your redemption draweth nigh. But then also, um, we need to understand that there are difficult days, as Paul talked about it, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, that be aware of this. There are difficult days in those last days when believers, as you said early on, Gary, we as believers are still here at that point, regardless of our, our understanding of the rapture. During that, that's why Paul is telling us this. That's why Jesus told us all this stuff, too, is so that we would be able to navigate these days. And, and I think there's actually a good closing word here that I'm going to read from Corey Ten Boom, because in her day, as Nazi Germany emerged in Holland, where she lived, in her day, the people were not ready. And we don't want to be in this group that, um, that she's identifying that's unprepared. And let me just read this. She says, uh, again, this is Corey Ten Boom. She says, the true horror of the Nazi occupation came over us slowly. During the first year of German rule, there were only minor attacks on the Jews in Holland. It was as though they were trying us, testing the temper of our country. How many Dutchmen would go along with them? And the answer to our shame was many. And, um, you know, as you read more of her writings and so forth and, and listen to her, her interviews on YouTube and so forth, she saw everything as spiritual. And oh, by the way, Richard Wormbrand that I quoted earlier did as well, and so, so did Souls and Eats. And in all of these difficult totalitarian um, situations, they all saw the, uh, the fight between good and evil, the, the fight between right and wrong, the fight between what God's purposes were and what Satan was trying, uh, was trying to do at the same time. So as we close here, be mindful of the day and hour in which we're living and that we're moving into a day where there's going to be more and more difficulty along the side of we need to be prepared to walk with God through that difficulty as well as the power of God. And as we talked about today as well, we need to have this settled in our hearts in terms of suffering for Christ, dying for Christ, literally picking up our cross, as he talked about. Have we settled that in our hearts? I think this, with the new year upon us, I think this is a, a vital question that we, we should ask and settle now. So anyway, we could talk more, Gary, about the, the practical aspects of, of, uh, of what we talked about today. But I think we'll, I think we'll close there. And, and thank you, Gary, again for giving us your insights. Blessing to hang with you always. All right, everybody, take care, and uh, remember to like and subscribe, and also to find us um, on uh, audio podcasts at places like Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts and the SoundCloud. Look forward to being with you next time on Insights. <laughs>